All right, welcome back. Thank you for being here. So today, continuing discussion of Sutta Nipata. Today is class uh, 13, and this will be the last class of the year, actually, for Sutta Nipata, because we're off next week and the week after. Christmas Eve, no class. New Year's Eve, no class. Back in January, this is the final talk this year in the series. I have one more class tomorrow, but the final talk in Sutta Napata for 2019, uh, <clears throat> which will be the beginning of the second chapter. And so Sutta Napata, the suttas falling down, or collection of multiple smaller suttas that, that actually sometimes were placed in other uh, divisions of the Sutta Pitaka or the collection of suttas, discourses in Pali canon, the Tripitaka, three baskets, Sutta Nipata, one, Sutta Pitaka, one basket of the three, Tipitaka, Tripitaka, three baskets, one of which is Sutta Pitaka, Sutta basket, discourse basket. Within that, <clears throat> Sutta Nipata, 71 short suttas, five chapters. Uh, and some of them do appear, some of these same 71 appear in other places. Um, today, the first of the second chapter suttas, called Ratna Sutta, is a big deal. It's a very important sutta uh, in the Buddhist world, uh, Buddhist Theravadan countries. It's considered um, one of the, uh, I think it's Kaparita, Parita, the protective suttas, and so there's a lot of explanation to this one, and um, I did a bit of study over the week, and um, <clears throat> basically, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, in uh, the last link I sent, Bodhi Monastery, Sutta Nipata, uh, gave three full talks on Ratna Sutta, and Ratna Sutta, the write-up is, the Buddha enumerates the many treasures to be found within the triple gem. So the Ratna means uh, gem or jewel. Tri Ratna is the typical Buddhist phrase, meaning three jewels, three gems, being Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And so we have translations from Piyadasi and Tanisaro. There, there's a very important backstory to this sutta, then there is the um, utilization of this sutta in the Buddhist world from the time of its um, recording, which was memorized by some monk, presumably, and then uh, spoken in the uh, in the councils that uh, wrote the oral tradition down onto palm leaves 2,300 years, 2,200 years ago something like that. And um, the write-up, <clears throat> the, the, not the write-up, but the presentation from uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi is really excellent. I mean, he's really a Buddhist scholar. Uh, he sounds just like Bernie Sanders, so I call him Bhikkhu Bernie, or Bhikkhu Bernie Bodhi. Bhikkhu Bodhi Bernie. Uh, I don't mean any res disrespect from that, because he's really a good guy. I met him, actually, at Oberlin. Um, in like 81 or 82. But his his lectures are given at a place called Bodhi Monastery in um, 
the U.S. East Coast, which was a Chinese temple. And interestingly, he brings out the, the Chinese are in the audience and the, the teacher, the Sufu of the temple also. So he brings out some of the Chinese translations for various, very <laughs> uh, <clears throat> exoter very e exotic or exo esoteric or rare uh, specialized Buddhist terminology uh, from the Pali to the English to the Chinese. So if you want to know more about this uh, Ratna Sutta, uh, an excellent presentation is the three uh, lectures on that page, bodhimonastery.org, uh, on Ratna Sutta. Uh, actually, he did four parts, and so each one of them is um, long, and they're very well done. I have a lot of respect. And so, his again, his understanding of Buddhism is at least theoretically, or in some ways, certainly much deeper and broader than mine. So <clears throat> he gets into all the very specifics and as an excellent, a very, very fine presentation. So <clears throat> uh, starting with the Piyadasi translation, the jewel discourse or jewels or treasures are other ways of translating Ratna Sutta. It, sutta means, again, discourse, and ratna is jewel or treasure. So uh, the jewel discourse, or Tanasaro called it treasures, uh, it's basically a, um, a, a very um, honorific <laughs> um, presentation. And it was said to be, again, spoken by Gautama, directly an honorific presentation of the supreme value importance of the three jewels or treasures in buddhism being buddha himself and the dhamma and the sangha but it's um, there, there's much deeper understanding of each and what it is about each that is of great value or supreme value uh, is the is the heart or essence of the of the sutta and so let me read from <clears throat> you'll be surprised when you hear the backstory here so first is the translation from piyadasi the link that i sent that's access to insight tripitaka uh at the end it'll say pia p-i-y-a dot html that means piyadasi so translator's introduction to ratna sutta the occasion for this discourse, in brief, <clears throat> according to the commentary, Buddha Gosha, is as follows. The city of Vaishali was afflicted by a famine, causing death, especially to the poor folk. And this was particularly a rich and cultured city, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi said, that um, Vaishali was quite autonomous and independent, um, very proud, and... Um, Yet something went wrong, and so they had a famine, then they, they had a plague and a famine, and then they were afflicted by demons. So they had a plague, they had a famine, lots of death, due to the presence of decaying corpses in the streets. Evil spirits began to haunt the city, meaning lower astral entities. This was followed by a pestilence. So anyway, you've got famine, death, and plague. Plagued by these three, year, three fears, or three realities of famine, non-human beings, and pestilence, 
the citizens sought the help of the Buddha, who was then living at Rajagaha, which is Rajgir or Vulture Peak. I was there when I went to India in 83. And um, it's a pretty intense place. Very, very, it's, a, it's a real mountain or a hill called Rajgir or Rajgaha or Rajagraha. So Gautama then, followed by a large number of monks, including Venerable Ananda, his attendant, Buddha Gautama came to the city of Vaishali with the arrival of the master. There were torrential rains which swept away the putrefying corpses. The atmosphere became purified. The city was clean. Um, I guess that happened first. This is all coming from Piyadasi's read of Buddha Gosha's commentary uh, on the Sutta. And so that, that I think that may be Vishuddhimagga, but there's the commentarial, which I think is Abhidhamma, literature on the particular sutras is very, very interesting to see that all of these discourses, or most of them, or many of them, came from particular circumstances, which is what we found in the page before, uh, hearing about the Yaksha dialogues, the Yaksha ballads. <clears throat> these were all occasioned, these suttas were occasioned by particular circumstances and um, uh, events. So, he comes in, so the story goes, torrential rains swept away the corpses. Then, thereupon, the Buddha delivered this jewel discourse, or Ratnasutta, to the venerable Ananda and gave him instructions, Ananda, as to how he, Ananda, should tour the city with the Lichavi citizens, reciting the discourse as a mark of protection to the people of Vaishali. So it's the town of Vaishali and the people are Lichavi, and that's a, they were quite highly cultured and I think well-off in general, um, but they must have done something wrong or something happened, and they uh, suffered um, drought, I think, or, or no harvests, and therefore famine, and then deaths, and then <clears throat> uh, some infestation of negative entities, and then uh, plague. Uh, the Venerable Ananda followed the instructions and sprinkled the sanctified water from the Buddha's own alms bowl, so that's a big deal. And this is basically an occasion for Gautama to show the power of his Dhamma, the power of his realization. As a consequence, the evil spirits were exorcised, the pestilence subsided. Thereafter, Venerable Ananda returned with the citizens of Vishali to the public hall where the Buddha and his disciples had assembled awaiting his arrival. There the Buddha recited the same jewel discourse or Ratnasutta to the gathering. And so... Um, again, the Ratna means precious jewel or gem or treasure, meaning Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And <clears throat> uh, it's it, it sometimes um, great spiritual power is only revealed in crisis. Sometimes in the midst of a crisis, uh, something comes out from a very deep level of mind or a very high level of spirit, um, which are contiguous. <laughs> deep mind touches high spirit. The roots of mind uh, go into the, the earth of um, the personal karmic stream, one could say, as well as the, uh, the upper atmosphere and the sky, the um, canopy of mind being spirit complex or five, six, five to six, seven, right? The higher level of mind, fifth ray, 
being contiguous to sixth ray, right? The, the throat bridges to the head. And so higher mind uh, goes to spirit complex. That higher mind in many ways is resonant with the deep personal subconscious and going through the deep personal subconscious, guess what? On the other side, one finds the spirit or higher self. And so sometimes in crisis, in exigence, in, in an exigent situation, in an emergency, um, great power, great disclosure, great revelation, great development, great achievement, something special happens when one has almost hit the bottom. And one, some people hit the bottom and crash. And if you don't crash, um, sometimes there's massive transformation. And so here, the city of Vaishali was about to crash, was crashing. And uh, it, because Gautama was living nearby and they had enough presence of mind to call him, uh, he had an opportunity to demonstrate the power of Buddha Dhamma Sangha or Buddhism. And um, I see no problem with a literal reading of this story. Now, the second link um, from Wisdom Library <clears throat> uh, is uh, Ratna Sutta. And let's um, look into that quickly. Again, Ratna we know meaning a jewel or a gem. Um, one of the suttas of the Kudaka Pata, uh, Kudaka Pata, Anyway, it's another uh, portion of uh, Tripitaka. Maybe that's actually where uh, Sutta Nipata is. Okay, it's different. Also included in Sutta Nipata, dot, 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 preached at Vaishali on the occasion of the Buddha's visit there at the invitation of the Lichavis, who begged him to rid the city of the various dangers or disasters which had fallen upon it. According to commentaries, uh, Buddha first taught the Sutta to Ananda, asked him to go around the city, accompanied by Lichavi princes, meaning not just everybody, reciting the sutta and sprinkling water from Gautama's bowl. Immediately, all the evil spirits fled from the city, and the people recovered from their diseases. They then gathered at the Mot Hall, or Motte Hall, with various offerings, and thither they conducted the Buddha, meaning they brought him offerings. In the assembly were present not only all the inhabitants of Vishali, but also the devas of the two deva worlds, uh, two particular planes, perhaps. I, mean, I don't know if the deva worlds, and this means every plane of Rupaloka and Arupaloka. I don't think so. But Shaka, Saka at their head, Connie, the king of the gods. The Buddha preached the Ratna Sutta to the great crowd. Then there's another account quoted by Buddha Gosha, said that in the assembly, the Buddha preached only the first five stanzas, stanzas the rest having been earlier recited by Ananda, because the sutta, sutta was first preached to ward off the evil from Vaishali, it became the most famous of the Buddhist ward runes, parita. Ward runes is, uh, <laughs> actually means Buddhist protective or warding off um, discourses or suttas. And so, it's commonly spoken at groundbreaking ceremonies in Buddhist worlds, uh, beginning a company or a home, 
even maybe weddings or funeral, I don't know, but at all sorts of social um, occasions where there's either a problem <clears throat> or the initiation of something important, like uh, the christening or, you know, <laughs> not quite christening, but the opening up of something, that a, a venture, a building, a project, a family, it's preached. And so um, there are a couple of others of these, and you can find more about that on the page from uh, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi. So the sutta consists of 17 verses. The first two contain a request to the devas to receive the homage and offerings of men and protect them in their danger. So <laughs> the first is Gautama basically speaking to the devas to overcome the negative spirits. Then follow 12 verses descriptive of the virtues of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, right, the Tri Ratna. It ends with three verses purporting, meaning according to commentary, to have been spoken by Saka, the head of the gods, on behalf of all the devas, devas meaning higher dimensional beings, the confederation, expressing their adoration of Buddha Dhamma Sangha. It's also said <clears throat> that during this visit, Buddha stayed at Vishali for two weeks preaching the sutta on seven consecutive days. And on each day, 84,000 beings realize the truth. So some things like that are um, clearly mytho mythological. Meanwhile, <laughs> we don't know how many higher dimensional beings got it. And um, the time was magical. When a Buddha is walking around the world, uh, 3D space-time is, is um, sparky, as we'd say. Sparky means um, uh, uh, well interpenetrated with time-space, meaning the veil between physical and non-physical is thin, meaning there, there are a lot of uh, astral intrusional events, <clears throat> intrusional events, very similar to what I said in the Conan the, Barbar Conan the Barbarian movie, being... Um, the antediluvian period after the fall of Atlantis, presumably, according to that mythology, where um, magical things were more common in space-time. In the physical world, there was a <clears throat> greater interpenetration of the spiritual, non-physical, astral, astralism, psychism, and magical. Um, likewise, when, when Gautama walked the world, likewise, when Nityananda was around, um, likewise, in the energy field of any a really completed teacher, third and fourth stage. Um, the atmosphere is quite magical, sparky, and light, and um, active. <laughs> so it's not unreasonable that lots of people um, have breakthrough in such a energy field. This sutta also seems to have been known as the Gangarohana Sutta. And so likewise, when Ceylon, Sri Lanka was troubled by famine and plague, in the reign of Upatissa II, the king had the sutta preached by monks while walking the streets of the city, so it's been used this way historically. And so the story goes, all troubles vanished, and he decreed that his successors should do likewise in times of need. Uh, Sena, I think another king, had the whole sutta inscribed on a golden plate and held a great festival in its honor. And so <laughs> it's a big deal, the sutta. And... Um, it's one of those that lots of Thai or Theravadan monks, Thai and Burmese and Sri Lankan monks, have memorized, as well as lay people, particularly lay women. And so 
it's a, an important sutta in the Buddhist world. Now, <clears throat> uh, briefly, there's I, I may or I may this may end up being two weeks, so <laughs> that's a Wikipedia link there. Um, nothing much more than what I've just said is presented in the Wikipedia link. Yes, this may be a two-week class, so um, Ratna Sutta will bridge the uh, second decade of the 21st century with the third decade of the 21st century being leaving 2019 into 2020. The bridge may be the Ratna Sutta, which may be appropriate <clears throat> for those <laughs> who uh, just got that point. <laughs> yes, it might be appropriate to preach the Ratna Sutta uh, here in this little humble abode uh, with us um, as the world goes into 2020, which may well be a period of uh, dis uh, disruption and upheaval and uh, trouble similar to what the, the Lichavis were experiencing in Vishali. Uh, so there may be <laughs> some deeper value to uh, here, at least in this uh, little in this little corner of the situation, um, um, honoring and commenting on and appreciating Ratna Sutta uh, as the world goes from the 2010s to the 2020s. And um, 2020 may turn out to be a year of uh, a lot of challenge. So from the Wikipedia page, <clears throat> uh, the contents section Ratna Sutta upholds the three jewels, right? Triratna as follows. Buddha as the unequaled realized one, which is verse 3. So you'll see the, the progression of the verses, 17. Um, and these are the heart or the pith sutta, pith stanzas of the sutta, which present the honoring of and uh, deeper um, explanation of the nature of uh, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, the tree three jewels or treasures. Buddha in verse 3, the teaching of Gautama, which um, Bhikkhu Bodhi does an excellent job of where nirvana and then the unsurpassed concentration leading to nirvana are called the two essential treasures of the Dhamma. So there's the treasure of or in the Buddha. There's the treasure or treasures of and in the Dhamma the treasure of or in Sangha community. But it's particularly a particular community. It's the community of the eight. It's all very, you know, I, I, I appreciate Bhikkhu Bodhi who revealed a whole lot of this. Uh, it, this is a very heavy sutta. And um, <clears throat> the Buddha, the Buddha Gautama wasn't fooling around when he uh, put this out in uh, Vaishali, uh, which was a place of massive suffering and misery and death and horrible conditions at this time. This sutta holds nothing back, and um, even the discussion of the teaching and the sangha is not just saying, hey, it's good that lots of guys put on robes and become Buddhists. No, it's talking about the, the eight grades of achieved monks or students or sangha the eight grades being those who have achieved the four uh, levels of awakening, <clears throat> right? So upon a stream entry, then once returner, then non-returner, then arahant, 
those who have achieved the fruit, which is uh, pala, and those who are on the path to the fruit called pasa, pasa pala, meaning the path and the fruit, those that are on the paths nearby each of those four achievements and those who have had each of those four achievements being those who have had the fruit of those four achievements being the Arya Sangha <clears throat> which is not white nationalist it's Arya of um, noble I mean this you know the Indian root of the Aryan uh, what coming down from Tibet to northern India uh, 8,000 years ago that type of Arya, meaning noble, not uh, white supremacist. And so the, Nar- the Arya Sangha is actually not everybody who's a monk. It's only those who've had the four attainments and those who are nearby the four attainments. And so that's a big deal. And you'll see that. So <clears throat> likewise, the teaching of the treasure or the treasure of Dhamma is not just like every, any old teaching or any old aspect of Dhamma. It's actually the goal and the path to the goal. And so that's really the fourth and third noble truth, or uh, the, th- the third and fourth noble truths being there is a way out of suffering or a goal beyond suffering and rebirth called nirvana or nibban, and there is a path to it called the Noble Eightfold Path. So this is a very serious sutta. It's very, um, you know, it's ab- above my pay grade in a sense because... It's, it's coming right from the mountaintop, from Gautama, uh, speaking of the, the pith, the core value, metaphysical, spiritual, personal, cosmic, universal value of Buddha Dhamma Sangha for human beings. And obviously for devas too, because they were in attendance. And so when you're talking about Dhamma, it's not just any old teaching, it's actually the goal the teaching of the goal and the teaching of the way to the goal, the Noble Eightfold Path, but particularly even then, the Samadim, Samadhi um, condition or access that leads to Nirvana. So it's a very profound state or one of the higher jhanas, particularly, I mean, you could say it's the fourth jhana that leads, that is, that is, uh, able to break through to the deathless or nirvana nibban, which is really um, the deathless or nirvana is is uh, <clears throat> Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about it as the the unconditioned element. Well, <laughs> it's not an element. It's not a thing. It's it's a <laughs> awareness of what's prior to things. <laughs> Uh, it's awareness um, of infinity, <laughs> unbound awareness uh, that that can't die because it isn't a thing that's born. It isn't a state of consciousness. It's not a physical element. It's not. <clears throat> it, it's it's beyond. It's not even uh, bliss. It's in a separate category, and so there is a state of samadhi that leads to that, and then that is nirvana. So these are the two aspects of the teaching that are the heart, pith, jewels, or treasures when we're talking about Buddha Dhamma. Then, for a community, it's not just any old guy or gal in a robe, but those who've achieved nirvana, verse 7, those who've realized the Four Noble Truths, verses 8-9, and those uh, who are Sotapanna, stream entrance, who've abandoned the first three fetters, verse 10. 
So, <laughs> and down the page you see the word parita, traditional Buddhist protective suttas, protection or safeguard <clears throat> to ward off misfortune. Uh, and so they're commonly, this is one of those commonly uh, spoken at important events or um, challenging times. So that's the introduction. Uh, what I want to do is first read, the, the, see we did half an hour of that, uh, first read the Piyadasi translation and then read Tanisaro's revised translation on the dhammatalks.org site which seems to be all of his work. So let's look first at Piyadasi Tara's uh, translation of Ratnasutta. This is from 1999, so a good 20 years ago. It broke in nicely. The, the, the layout is very lovely because <laughs> these are very um, serious teachings so into 17 clear verses. So let's just start. I'll read it through. <clears throat> and so again, first we have the address to the devas in attendance and uh, perhaps the first few verses being what Ananda will be saying while sprinkling water around the town. Then verses that present an honor, praise, and, and a very deep level explanation of what is what, what truly is the essential value of a Buddha and Gautama's teaching Dhamma and um, the, the, those in the community that have made fine use of it, that have made uh, achievement through it. Uh, uh, you'll see it as we go through the verses, these um, important, th these various statements. Okay, so Ratnasutta, translated by Piyadasi Tara. One, <clears throat> whatever beings, non-humans, are assembled here, terrestrial or celestial, may they all have peace of mind and may they listen attentively to these words. O beings, listen closely. May you all radiate loving-kindness, metta, to those human beings who, by day and night, bring offerings to you, offer merit to you, wherefore protect them with diligence. Whatever treasure there be, either here or in the world beyond, whatever precious jewel there may be in the heavenly worlds, there is not comparable to the Tathagata, the perfect one. This precious jewel is the Buddha. By this asseveration of the truth may there be happiness. That cessation, that detachment, that deathlessness, Nibbana Supreme, the calm and collected Sakyan sage, Sakyamuni, the Buddha, had realized. There is naught comparable to this Nibbana Dhamma. This precious jewel is the Dhamma. By this asseveration of the truth, may there be happiness. The Supreme Buddha extolled a path of purity, the Noble Eightfold Path, calling it the path which unfailingly brings concentration. There is naught comparable to this concentration. This precious jewel is the Dhamma. By this asseveration of truth, may there be happiness. The eight persons 
extolled by virtuous men, constitute four pairs. They are the disciples of the Buddha and are worthy of offerings. Gifts given to them yield rich results. This precious jewel is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth may there be happiness. With a steadfast mind and applying themselves well in the dispensation of the Buddha Gautama, free from defilements, ashravas, they have attained to that which should be attained, arahanship, encountering the deathless. They enjoy the peace of Nibbana freely obtained. This precious jewel is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth may there be happiness. As a post deep planted in the earth stands unshaken by the winds from the four quarters, so too, I declare, is the righteous man who comprehends with wisdom the noble truths. This precious jewel is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth, may there be happiness. Those who have realized the noble truths well taught by him, who is profound in wisdom, the Buddha, even though they may be exceedingly heedless, they will not take an eighth existence in the realm of sense spheres. This is Sotapanna. This precious jewel, Sotapanni, is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth may there be happiness. With his gaining of insight, he abandons three states of mind, meaning the three first fetters broken at Sotapanna, namely self-illusion, doubt in Triratna, and indulgence in meaningless rites and rituals, should there be any. He is also fully freed from the four states of woe, four lower realms, and therefore incapable of committing the six major wrongdoings. This precious jewel is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth may there be happiness. Any evil action he may still do by deed, word, or thought, he is incapable of concealing it. This is Sotapani. Since it has been proclaimed that such concealing is impossible for one who has seen the path of Nibbana, first stage. This precious jewel is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth may there be happiness. As the woodland groves, though or through, though in the early heat of summer month are crowned with blossoming flowers, even so is the sublime Dhamma leading to the calm of Nibbana, which is taught by the Buddha for the highest good. This precious jewel is the Buddha. By this asseveration of the truth, may there be happiness. The peerless excellent one, the Buddha, the knower of Nibbana, the giver of Nibbana, the bringer of the noble path, taught the excellent Dhamma. This precious jewel is the Dhamma, or is the Buddha. By this asseveration of the truth, May there be happiness. Their past kamma is spent. Their new kamma no more arises. Their mind to future becoming is unattached. Their germ of rebirth consciousness has died. They have no more desire for reliving. Those wise men fade out of existence as the flame of this lamp which has just faded away. This precious jewel is the Sangha. By this asseveration of the truth, may there be happiness. And the final concluding verses, which may or may not have been issued by Sakya, 
whatever beings, non-human, are assembled here, terrestrial or celestial, come let us salute the Buddha, the Tathagata, the perfect one, honored by gods and men, may there be happiness. Whatever beings are assembled here, terrestrial or celestial, come let us salute the perfect Dhamma, honored by gods and men, may there be happiness. Whatever beings are assembled here, terrestrial or celestial, come let us salute the perfect Sangha, honored by gods and men, may there be happiness. This is Buddhism. <laughs> this is Buddhism. Uh, salvation not through the blood. <laughs> no, no, no. Not salvation through the blood. Neither Jesus uh, ransomed atonement on the cross, dying, shedding blood for you, they say, nor some kind of tribal, ethnic religiosity or physical performance <clears throat> uh, or a condition of birth into some Brahmin or uh, elite group. Uh, no, <laughs> this is Buddhism. And this is um, a hardcore moral metaphysics, um, path-centered for total transformation of all one is. Uh, all we are, all what one is, what I is, totally transformed and purified of all distortion, uh, complete purification of all distortion. So this is a, <clears throat> Buddhism is highly moral, extremely moral, uh, so-called religion, so-called, you know, religious doctrine. It's, it's all about uh, transformation of mind by moral, uncompromising moral commitment <clears throat> to harmlessness, basically, and then to complete transformation of consciousness through very mystic practice of meditation that leads to all sorts of uh, paranormal experience, actually, and um, awareness of the insubstantiality of matter and light, or the nature of mind as illusory and empty, and um, awareness of multidimensional life, uh, <laughs> profoundly uh, metaphysical or spiritual or cosmic or paranormal or mystic as some of the, some people say mystic so it's a profoundly metaphysical interdimensional magical in the sense of revealing the magical nature of creation meaning mind born right? what is magic other than a realization that mind mind experiences mind generated <clears throat> and inner and outer is just a, a trick of the senses or the result of uh, the gates the doors of perception not fully cleansed limited perception distortion uh, inadequate purification of consciousness and awareness <clears throat> uh, as the basis of duality of inner outer subject object time and space past, present, future, here and there, and all that. I mean, so Buddhism has no problem going from duali duality to boundlessness, <laughs> from the many to the unspeakable. No problem. Uh, meanwhile, it's profoundly moral. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> the quick rundown, um, before we get to Tanisaro's version, uh, 
so first we've got uh, an address to the uh, assembly of humans and non-humans, uh, particularly the non-physical entities that are both celestial, both terrestrial and celestial. Terrestrial or astral, meaning terrestrial non-humans <laughs> are uh, devic kingdom beings of second, uh, second and third density, particularly. Uh, nature spirits of the four elements and entities working with plants and animals and you know yakshas and yakas and all that gandavas and uh, uh, various levels of astral entity that are sort of earth 3d space-time associated the celestial are those that are above kamaloka so every the beings in the non-physical realms in kamaloka which we which what i would call is 3.4567, meaning the higher four subplanes of third density being astral um, or time space, <clears throat> being uh, terrestrial, non human, or, or where terrestrial Earth associated non human beings are, particularly uh, astral, which is higher levels of Kamaloka, non physical. Then celestial, <laughs> non human, is Rupaloka, Arupaloka, or those subplanes and planes associated with four, fifth, sixth, seventh density, I'd say, it seems to me. So, <laughs> Gautama is talking to everybody here, and um, again, this is a very major Buddhist sutta. Uh, of all the Buddhist suttas, this is one of the major ones, particularly uh, as its effect, it's basically. It's warding off danger and uh, the negative entities and the disease and the illness of, of Vaishali at that time. Uh, but it's really proclaiming the supremacy of Buddha Dhamma in the seven dimensions. <laughs> it's uh, seven dimensions, 31 planes, six realms, three loka, three, three worlds, six realms, 31 planes, Buddhist cosmology... Seven dimensions, seven rays, raw material, Western cosmology. Uh, in all of that, uh, Buddha and Dhamma and Sangha, particularly the Buddha, <laughs> who he is, what he did, and the fact that he proclaimed the Dhamma of a goal, freedom from all 31 planes and seven dimensions, Nibbana, and the path to the goal, the Eightfold Noble Path, and particularly states of Samadhi, that are access to breakthrough, samadhim, samadhim, um, being um, high, s certain states of certain jhanas, it seems to me probably fourth jhana, because the formless jhanas don't lead to insight, they just lead to bliss, that's all. <laughs> Buddhism has no trouble dismissing bliss, or putting bliss in its place, and putting magical powers in their place. Yeah, walking on water, no big deal. So no big deal, magical powers. The miracle of education is much higher, Gautama said. So my dear friend Rick from uh, True News, I like those guys, even though they're um, hardcore. They basically said, yeah, everybody goes to hell but saved Christians. Everybody goes to eternal hell, the lake of fire, except for those who um, take Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as the one and only way whose blood washed away the sins of humanity and atones for that, you know, by that 
blood offering the ransom on the cross so uh, uh, so is our salvation and uh, atonement for sin and therefore secured place in the kingdom of heaven where what we just sit there forever so meanwhile they'll say every other religion he even said buddhists go to hell <laughs> all right doesn't offend me i just think they're delusional they're just doing they're just doing orion's work <laughs> i like those guys but they're doing orion's work if they're making people think that there's only one way gautama <laughs> there's no problem talking about the essentials of um, the path that basically if you want to it's like ross saying 51 percent service to other if you want to get out of third density recycling um live a moral life you know trying to help and harm no one you know help all and harm no one help others and do no harm that's all pretty straight up right speech <laughs> right action and right livelihood just gets you in the door to buddhism but it also gets you out of 3d recycling uh, and so this is um kind of a triumphal statement of um the you know a buddhist perspective on on the essentials of the buddhist offering which is a buddha who spoke and achieved and achieved and spoke and what he spoke being the dhamma but particularly the goal and the way to the goal and particularly those states of mind that realized the deathless or that open to the boundless that taste infinity that taste what's beyond any ignorance or mental attachment it's not just a mental attachment it's belief in mental fashioning it's it's beyond samskaric activity beyond mental fashioning beyond conceptualization beyond uh, thought generation um, reality beyond conceiving that's the heart <laughs> there are states of mind that lead to what to realization of that and those are the highest levels of Dhamma, one can say, or the levels of the path to Nibban closest to that realization. And then finally, Sangha. But Sangha ain't just anybody. It's really those who put the teachings into practice and achieve the four awakenings, the four fruits, and then the other four that are uh, nearby that, the other four classes of monk or noble person who um, are proximate to, proximate to those awakenings so um O beings listen closely may you all radiate loving kindness to those human beings who by day and night bring offerings and offer merit so that's what was happening there was some <laughs> the, the city was in some ways making offering i guess to gautama uh and the monks and they were transferring the merit um to the town or applying that merit to um, uh, mm, petition, <laughs> supplicate, <laughs> uh, make supplication to some devas to just help out. That's all. To help get rid of the lower astral entities, which uh, higher dimensional devic beings or various beings are very capable of doing. So, it's very, you know, it's. Gautama didn't do it, but he sort of gave them some merit, higher devic beings, um, and supported them in doing that. Um, whatever, and the, the point, the, 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 the pith teaching here is that whatever treasure or jewel or gem or precious something or other 
anywhere in the 31 planes. This world, the next world, whatever you think is great. There's nothing um, in this view, and I totally agree, there's nothing comparable to uh, Triratna, Tathagata, bringing the three jewels to earth, meaning the teaching of Buddha Gautama. Meaning, um, it ties together an understanding, I mean, there's no proof of this, but I think that it um, it really is what it is, what he says it is. I don't have doubt. So does that mean I'm Sotapanna or what? I don't know. But Sotapanna is where one is free of doubt in Triratna. And so may there be happiness um, at uh, verse 4, and we're going to go deeper. I think we'll, we'll do the first week here on, Tanisa, on Piyadasi's translation, and then next week go further into the same sutta, um, presenting Tanisaro's translation and doubling down and getting deeper in. Uh, verse 4, still talking about um, what Buddha realized. So going from 3, the precious jewel of or in Buddha, to the precious jewel of or in uh, Dhamma, uh, the four qualities associated with complete and perfect enlightenment, cessation, detachment, deathlessness, and I think calm. I'm not sure about that. But cessation of craving, tana, and uh, there are three types of craving. If we look at the page on Wikipedia to remind yourself or remind me or review, Kamatana, Babakana, Vibhavatana, three types of craving. It's basically very much craving for experience in form, world, in, in the world of desire or 3D. A desire for human incarnation and all the experiences of 3D human physical life. Then, experience, uh, craving for the desire in higher dimensions 4 and 5, craving for existence or higher dimensional life 6, 7. Craving for uh, sensual sensuality kamatana which is really I want to be in a human body I like being in a physical fleshy body I like it I like the solid the, uh, the illusory solidity of the whole situation then the bhavatana is craving for bhava or being or becoming or change mental state it's very much associated with rupa loka or fourth and fifth density or Seeking, I mean, they're 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 talking about. Uh, there are all sorts of views of all sorts of people. Harvey, who I think is a little off base, says uh, it's the seeking of certain identity, and desire for a certain type of rebirth eternally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> desire for form, for the persi- for for persistent form-based experience, particularly of mind. Form meaning thought form, meaning I'm happy and I want to stay happy. And I'm not looking for physical anchor, physical engagement, but um, I want heart-mind experience of a certain quality, which which is vast <laughs> realm of seeking. Um, I want to feel good about myself. It's not, it's not just preference, it's attachment and craving, really. So having a preference is sort of not a big deal. It's the attachment or clinging to the to the to the um, preference 
that's the problem and then a craving to have the experience of what I prefer to cling to to, to fulfilling my prefer to having my desires met and keeping them that way <laughs> clinging to uh, the non-cessation of the preferred states of mind and heart and and my experience my fashioned experience uh, where my desires are all met and we're not talking about physical we're really talking about mind states mental emotional uh, and that they don't go away and I hold them and they never go and um, I go up when they're here and I go down when they're gone and I struggle for them in one way or another and I think they're real <laughs> it's sort of uh, uh, you can prefer them without while knowing they're anichanata dukkha when it's all very subtle here and I'm getting a little too far but the illusory nature is not seen when there's craving and clinging and so the continued craving and clinging tana and upadana which is a different matter than preference uh, comes in or is associates in my understanding with uh, a very deep belief that this is real <laughs> not only uh, sensual but particularly mental emotional uh, mind states preferred the type of craving of bhava or changed uh, samskara mind generated fashioned composite experience thinking it's all real believing it's real feeling it's real no no sense of illusion you know not knowing sunya and anatta not knowing it's anatta insubstantial it's sunya or empty it's ultimately uh, a dream uh, it's craving and clinging tana ubadana for changed mental states and then vibhava or is basically the ending or cessation of that uh, seeking to to get and acquire and hold and keep and not ever lose uh, these various mental states or dissociation or, or destruction of the mental states in in formlessness, uh, assuming they're real and substantial and uh, do bring abiding happiness, which from a much deeper analysis one would say they don't. It's all a dream, the illusion of limits. And so... Uh, without a deep understanding of anatta, selflessness, which is really insubstantiality and emptiness, and uh, uh, sunya, um, the 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 ultimate uh, character in the the non-characterizability of reality, reality that appears in form, that appears substantial and and full of attribute, is actually not. <laughs> seeing it as it is one sees um, uh, one taste one sees the one taste the one taste is that um, form is emptiness <laughs> and emptiness um, manifests in apparent form and it appears to be substantial and can be experienced as substantial but it's actually not so it is and it isn't simultaneously uh, I am Bob and I am not Bob, spoke Bob the walk-in. So, yes and no. <laughs> it's relatively, uh, it, it's apparently real and essentially empty at the same time. Not knowing that, one gets stuck 
in trying to, we get stuck in uh, our preferences and seeking to uh, grasp and keep and not lose our preferences or achievements of desire. So all of that goes back to basically um, an understanding that, that Gautama in Nibbana, the end of the path, is of cessation, cessation of craving and clinging, cessation of ignorance, cessation of um, um, binding, binding uh, what I is to phenomena, to the apparently external phenomena. That's a massive death detachment and uh, deathlessness because there's no birth, because there's an awareness that there's nothing that could be born anyway, that all is illusory, all is... Uh, all that appears substantial is uh, empty and insubstantial. It's apparently real, but it's essentially um, bright light, <laughs> open space, and um, it's dreamlike in many in in ways that are very subtle. It's uh, if you can really understand that, it's uh, mm, it's not as it appears. <laughs> so. Anyway, some sense of uh, what's beyond appearance and relativity and arising and passing away. Uh, Sakyamuni, Sakyan Sage, realizes that that's the, the jewel or treasure of Nibbana Dhamma. Nibbana or Nirvana or the end of the path or what that is uh, as, a, as, the, as the heart of Buddha's Dhamma. Nirvana... The reality of the goal is the heart of Buddha Dhamma or the teaching. And then, as I said, before that is the path that goes to that Noble Eightfold Path. So the essential jewels of Buddhism or Buddha Dhamma, right, the essential jewel or treasures of Buddhism are Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And when we talk about Dhamma, we're talking about the goal and the path leading to the goal. And that's what Buddhism is about, <laughs> the goal and the path to the goal. Uh, so path which unfailingly brings concentration there's nothing comparable to this so this is a very particular concentration as I said and then later uh, six we're gonna I'm gonna wrap up today this sutta we still have about ten minutes um, when we get into Sangha we're talking about two four pairs four pairs being eight being those that have achieved each of the four stages and those that are nearby those that are have achieved the fruit and those that are on the path uh, nearby those four. Um, there, the the value of them in the sangha is that these are beings who um, have demonstrated for themselves and for us, if we believe it, uh, that this dhamma works that the teachings of Gautama are real. <laughs> and uh, this is a very important matter. So, uh, seven, um, the first level of, or the highest level of these eight um, members of the Sangha, or noble Aryan Sangha, members who have had achievement or nearby. The first, of course, is those that are at the level of Arahant. 
uh, attained that which should be attained. They're finished, the peace of Nibbana. Um, and then, uh, as a post deep planted in earth, unshaken by wind, I declare, is so too is the righteous one, the man who comprehends the Four Noble Truths. And so, the truth of Dukkha and its cause, the truth of Nibban and its path. And that's the Sangha. And these are um, anybody who's sort of uh, clear, clearly on their way to Sotapanna, and then those who've achieved and beyond. And so what's very interesting, what was interesting to me <laughs> is the discussion of Sotapanna in 9 and 10 and 11, particularly um, even though the, the Sotapanna, who, who no longer has doubt in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, meaning particularly the Buddha and his attainment, the essential Dhamma teaching of the goal and the path, and the essential pith community of Sangha being those who've achieved by uh, achieve the goal, the four goals of the path. That's one no longer has doubt in that at Sotapanna, as well as no longer attachment to rites and rituals and um, practice practices. I mean, performance is is known as not the heart of the path. It may help, but the heart of the path is not physical performance, and then uh, freedom from self views or uh, aware that any view of self is illusory. Very clear that what I is cannot be imaged. <laughs> All self-image is an imaging that is illusory, and uh, what I is is transconceptual. It's beyond conception. It's an inconceivable. <laughs> Self-identity is an inconceivable, too. Mm. How about that? Add to the list. So, um, even though the Sotapanna may be exceedingly heedless They'll not take the eighth existence, meaning only seven more rebirths before they're finished with the octave. Uh, and so that's a precious jewel in the Sangha, of the Sangha, as a representative of the true Sangha, the Arya Sangha, those who've achieved the four stages and those that are nearby. Also, for Sotapanna, he abandons, as I said, these three uh, states of mind or three fetters, right? We're talking about breaking the first three. Self illusion meaning views of um, selfhood, doubt in the three Buddha Dhamma Sangha, and then indulgence in meaningless rites and rituals, should there be any. <laughs> should there be any means, just in case he's still doing something like that, rather than a uh, calming mind in samadhi concentration and seeing reality. If he's in, still involved in rites and rituals, uh, he doesn't indulge and doesn't believe them in the same way as others may. Also freed from four states of woe, meaning um, hungry ghost, hell realm, animal, and uh, asura, and incapable of committing the six major wrongdoings. So you can look at that: killing a Buddha, or shredding the blood of a Buddha, or matricide, patricide, dot dot dot. But particularly um, that this sotapanna or sotapani. Um, he may still do by deed any evil action. Hmm. By deed, word and thought. He still, he still fucks up. <laughs> Actually. But he's incapable of concealing it. He doesn't fool himself. He knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck in this way, that way. I did these. Uh, you know, I still 
crave the lowlands of this or that. Yes, yes, yes. So he's not full of shit. <laughs> he's not fooling himself anymore. That's good. Since it's been proclaimed that such concealing is impossible for one who has seen the path of Nibban, meaning Satipana. Note 8, he's a Satipana. So <laughs> he's no longer bullshitting himself. He knows when he's still attached to, when he's still involved in grasping an aversion, or greed and sensual desiring, and uh, seeking to grasp on or hate certain mind states, or seeking bliss and attached to experiences of formlessness and uh, boundlessness. Uh, he, he's honest with himself, or she, he, she, is honest. <laughs> and so that's very interesting, because the Satipana is not finished with uh, the three poisons at all. They they won't be reborn in in the lower dimension, but they may visit, <laughs> as far as I uh, know. And uh, certainly if you're doing um, evil action by deed, word, and thought, they still do, may still do. That's interesting, right? But But this one is incapable of concealing it. It's just not possible, which is very interesting. <laughs> so, meanwhile, um, way above him um, is the canopy of the forest with the most exquisite uh, perfumed flowers high above the soil. Um, woodland groves in the early heat of summer month crowned with blossoming flowers. Even so is the sublime Dhamma leading to the calm of Nibban taught by the Buddha, and that's the Buddha. That's what the Buddha is. The upper canopy uh, perfume uh, of the flowers uh, wafting in the ten directions. Uh, and so the rest of the uh, sutta basically just uh, pulls that together and integrates it again. Uh, the peerless one, the knower, the giver, like the movie, the bringer, uh, taught the Dhamma, and the heart of the Dhamma is the goal and the path, and particularly uh, right, you know, sama samadhi, right, right concentration. Um, but there's no samadhi without shila or morality, and so that's where we start. And um, uh, this is a very heavy <laughs> sutta, very important sutta, uh, and. Um, that's why, I mean, you know, real devas and real higher dimensional beings, um, they appreciate Buddha Dhamma. They do. I don't know what they've been doing uh, in the meantime, before they re, uh, reconnected with Buddha Dhamma, but I don't know. You know, compare Buddha Dhamma to the Seth material. Seth seems to be somebody who's having a good time in sixth density um, versus this, which is a teaching for those that are really finished with the octave. They're finished with experience of form and formlessness, too, both. They're really not interested. And you, you simply cannot get to that position of a natural detachment from all experience. It's a disinterest, dispassion um, in, in, in any type of body, mind, spirit, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, grasping experience grasping and having and getting and feeling. It's a disinterest in that whole thing. And, and one really can't get to that unless one has tasted a lot of that uh, sensual 
and um, heart, mind, bliss, joy, happiness, and formless, um, semi-boundless, <laughs> semi-experiences you know, of unity and uh, union. One really can't be disinterested in the whole range of that until one has done a lot of that. So, anyway, next time we're going to, next year, we will look into Tanisaro's translation of Ratnasutta, and um, we'll see how that goes. I think, I mean, I'd like to read his and maybe reflect more on what's important about the dispensation of Buddhism and um, how it is for me personally. Somebody can unmute there or mute, remute. So anyway, oh, nobody's, that's interesting. So anyway, the big static has just arrived. Um, somebody could unmute and remute, please. Uh, didn't do anything. All right, anyway, uh, you can unmute again and say hello. <laughs> then remute. How's that? Hey, hey, static away. You did it. You have that magic touch. Yeah, it's very bizarre. So some kind of uh, a voice from beyond uh, pierces the static. Um, so anyway, thank you for doing that. Uh, so this will be the last talk of 2019 on at least Sutta Nipata and for our group. Uh, thank you for being here uh, with me this year. And uh, next week we will continue and complete Ratnasutta. And you might, again, I recommend take a look and listen to Bhikkhu Bodhi uh, talking about it in much detail. Uh, it's a beautiful, important sutta, really, really uh, center, central, one of the central suttas uh, in Buddhism, talking about what you know what what is the heart of Buddhism, which is really the three jewels or three treasures or Buddha Dhamma Sangha, and then the the very specific target. What exactly would you mean? What's really important about Buddha and Dhamma and Sangha? And so, anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed this. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone who's helped. I appreciate that. Take good care. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you again soon. And good night.